This episode of Naval Gazing is sponsored by valleygivesback.org. Adding a Valley charity to your estate plan creates a lasting legacy that tells future generations what causes matter to you. Your action will inspire others to follow your lead and make a difference. With a plan gift, you have the power to impact the Valley community forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Learn more at valleygivesback.org, an initiative of the Valley Community Foundation. Plan now, give later, and impact tomorrow at valleygivesback.org. For hundreds of years we brought you the news. For the info we gave you the clues. Owners' profits were always sky high. Hi, welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indies weekly podcast. My name is Eugene Triscoll. I'm a reporter with valleyindy.org. You can listen to past episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Libsyn, SoundCloud, and at valleyindy.org. Just look for Naval Gazing at the top of the page. This is a solo podcast. Today, Ethan Fry was in the room, but he was busy working. The guest is Seymour Police Chief Michael Metzler, who is retiring in June 2018 after 30 years at the helm of the Seymour Police Department. We talk about his career. Uh, He started off in Ansonia in the mid-70s and then transitioned to Seymour in the 80s. So uh, without further ado, here is Chief Metzler. Thank you. So joining me in the Valley Indy office today is Chief Michael Metzler of the Seymour Police Department. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. You're welcome. And congratulations on your coming soon retirement. When exactly are you retiring? My last official day is June 30th, 2018. So we're a little more than a, than a month away. Nine, 18 days working. All right. Oh, okay. 18 days <laughs> working. <always> counting. <laughs> and I should note for our listeners, uh, Chief Metzler is wearing a Hawaiian shirt. He had to put a cigar out. He is ready to... Uh, no, actually, you're in your, you have a, an event you're going to be attending uh, in a, right at 11 a.m. As we, yes. after we record this here in Ansonia yes. to mark a, a police chief who was from Ansonia and killed in the line of duty. Correct. So, and uh, let's talk about first, where'd you grow up, Chief? Because I we've talked a few times, but I've never really had more than a... 10-minute conversation with you. Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, really? Okay, so you grew up like on the beach up there? Or you? Were... I lived there. I was about a mile away. <laughs> and what, what type of work did, like, did your father do? My father was an inspector in the Newport Police Department, and then when he retired from there, he went over and took over security for the Navy Underwater Security System. And uh, brothers and sisters? Is... My brother is a superintendent of schools in New Hampshire. My sister is a Registered nurse, married to a captain, retired in the uh, Navy down in uh, Virginia. And so did you know from an early age that law enforcement was the thing you wanted to go into, being your father was an inspector? No, I went to Central Connecticut State and was becoming a physical education instructor. I taught in the Valley, subbing all over the place, and I was waiting for a job. 
I was I had the taste of it from my father, obviously, from all the time he was there. And then I uh, needed to do something to bring money into the family, and uh, I took the test for Ansonia. Came out first, and uh, I mean, it was history after that. So was my dream of coaching and teaching and all that stuff kind of went to the wayside. I was doing both for a little bit of time. I was teaching up at Evan O'Brien on a full-time basis. And uh, when the job came up for a detective, it was I had to make the call, so I made the call. So you grow up in uh, Rhode <clears throat> Island. You yeah. then come down to Connecticut for mm-hmm. college. Then how did you make your way down to the Valley? I married a Derby girl. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> and I, I live in Derby. And I, and I made the deal with her that we would move to the town where whoever got a job first, and she went out the next day and got a job. <laughs> so that was the end. Where were you living in, in those days? Like when I, and, and I was in, I was back in Newport. She was here, and okay. we're, it was a long distance relationship. It was, you know. Then schooling. you get married, and where did you? Where did you? We live? ended up Take living up in Seymour uh, first for a year, and then we moved into Ansonia. I lived up on Wakeley Avenue f- uh, before I bought my home. I live in Ansonia now. Been there since '79. And what's your wife's name, if I'm asking? Doreen. And how long have you two been married? It'll be 44 years in July. What's the uh, secret to staying married that long? Being honest. <laughs> okay, all right, that makes sense. <laughs> That's a good answer. Yeah, being honest. And so you were uh, you were subbing, and uh, and so how old were you? This is 40 years ago. How old were you? How old were we talking about? When, you well, were, when I was doing the teaching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was 26, 25, 26, doing okay. both. Okay, and uh, you were married at that time? And then, oh, yeah. Yeah, married how, when I was 74. How many children do you have? One think. daughter. You have one daughter. And she's okay. a registered nurse in the uh, emergency room in Kent Hospital in Rhode Island. Okay. Yeah, she went to Roger Williams. And so then your first uh, taste of law enforcement was uh, in Ansonia, you said, because oh, you wanted a job that could that could pay relatively decently and, and, and support a family. I wouldn't call it decently. <laughs> well, compared to Ethan and I. <laughs> uh, it was it was benefits. It was uh it was a bunch of things, and uh, I started as a supernumerary here. I did one year as a super, and then went on as a regular in '77. A supernumerary, like I'm not familiar. I mean, I've heard the term, but like part, explain part, part time. It was and, a part time. Yeah, you have all the abilities and uh, responsibilities of a regular officer, at least in Ansonia, did. And what ended up being is that you would, uh, you could no more, you couldn't work over 40 hours because then you'd be working into the overtime of the other guys. But uh, we were putting in 32 to 40 hours a week as, as part-timers, all of us. And uh, when the openings came up within the year, they we ended up going on, and that was it. Yeah. And then, and I'm an idiot, but so what, what years are we talking about there? When you were I, I came on as a super in 76. 1976, okay. Right, and then I became a full-time officer in uh, November of 1977. Then I became a detective in 83. I was made acting detective sergeant in 83. All in Ansonia. Okay, All in so Ansonia. Then I became the lieutenant in 88, 87 uh, in Ansonia, and then I left for Seymour in 88. So what was policing like in the Valley in like the late 70s when you first started? I mean, I, I, mm. I've only lived up here probably 10, mm. 15 years. Uh, mm. What was uh, different about it then? It was a battle. It was a war. It was a war out there. It was, uh, there was Particularly constant, in Ansonia. Yeah, particularly in Ansonia. There was okay. a lot of bars, a lot of, a lot of power drinkers. Um, there was a lot of problems in the Olson Drive area. Um, there was a lot of bar fights down at the, the old pub down the mall down there. It was, it was, every night was a battle down here. Now, explain that there was an old pub. Is that what the, like the radio station was in those days too? Uh, same area. Same, okay. same area. It was, uh, was it the guys from the radio station? Y, where Big Y is right, now, okay. in that whole area. There was the big mall there. And in the mall was a place called the pub. And it was just like 
every night. Just fights and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was fighting every night. It was a battle every night. And we've heard stories from, I don't know if it's the same mm-hmm. time period, but there were basically sort of open-air drug markets going on instead of the, some of the federally <laughs> subsidized <laughs> housing in those days. Or? Well, in Olson Drive, there was a lot of drug sales, uh, a lot of weapons, things, and these things of that nature. Uh, we were constantly over there. But uh, I used to be sent there every night, so it was kind of like it was my beat. Okay. I, didn't, I thought at first I was being picked on by the sergeant. And I, I, I kind of get a little attitude because I said, here I am, senior, one of the senior officers, and I'm being st- stuck in Olson Drive walking while all the people who were younger than I were driving around in the cars doing stops and stuff. And then one night he sat me down, it was Sergeant Mike Kennedy, and he sat me down and he goes, uh, I said, why are you doing this to me? Why am I always over there? And he goes, because if I put them over there, they're going to get hurt. I went, yeah. He goes, while you're over there, I don't worry about anything. Nothing's going to happen over there while you're there, and nothing's going to happen to you. He said, but if I put them over there, they're going to get hurt. So I do this not for you. I do this for me to make my job easier because I don't have to worry about the projects for the entire night. I went, oh. So when he when he explained it that way, I kind of understood because I was kind of like this go-to guy. And I went, all right, now I understand. It isn't a personal thing. It isn't punishment. It was you're doing this because you think that I'm the best resource for that area. And it's something I learned from him at that point that take the personalities out of it and put your best people in a position that they best suit your job. And I, I never complained again. I never said a word after that. That's an interesting point because one thing I was going to ask mm-hmm. you about, I know a lot of times, and I don't know if people realize this, but as reporters, you know, we, we, we hear stuff all the time. And a lot of times <clears throat> there are uh, 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 conflicts or disputes between mm-hmm. like rank and file and and administrators in right. police departments. It's just mm-hmm. one of those things. Like right. in any job, there's the, there's the union, and the mm-hmm. union are going to mm-hmm. – uh, it's designed as a check and balance. There's going to mm-hmm. be uh, conflict. Right. Was that the, is that the toughest thing to handle uh, as a police chief, sort of dealing with those personalities <coughs> and the internal politics? Or I tried, um, and people don't believe this, but I tried to take the personalities out of the issues. And when I held people accountable for the things that they did, I did it based on the action and not the individual. Um, that isn't always the case in some departments, but that's how I did it. Um, some people thought it was personal, but it never was. To me, it was what you did, you're going to be held accountable for, period. That's it. I never let politicians interfere with how I did my job. Is that uh, difficult? I mean, that's very difficult. Um, I was fortunate in the fact that I had no contract. I refused to sign a contract because I didn't trust... Was this when in Seymour? I'm sorry. Right, in Seymour. Okay, gotcha. I didn't trust the people that were in charge as far as how they were going to do things. So by not signing a contract, I had more control. And by doing that, they were unable to force me to do things that I didn't want to do. And I wouldn't do. Yeah, uh, what, are, what are some, for a listener who doesn't <clears throat> understand, what are the dangers of having, say, uh, politicians dictate police department policy? It might be um, obvious. Well, but. first off, they have no clue what they're doing. Um, they they make they do things for political reasons. Uh, like I was many times, they go, we want to take this guy out, we want you to fire this guy, we want you to do this. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm, not, I'm never going to do that. Um, on my back, my, my job was to protect the town, then the department, the men and women, and then the community, and that's how I did it. Um, and I wasn't going to let politicians ruin the department with their games. Um, so I took a lot of heat for years. I went 12 years with no race. Um, no yeah. kidding. I oh yeah, no. Seymour, okay. Seymour. There's a certain group in Seymour that was just very, very vile. Uh, false comments, false rumors. They did everything under the sun trying to discredit me. 
uh, I refused to bend and I wouldn't bend. And uh, I will leave there with my head up with the integrity in place. <clears throat> that being said, um, it is a difficult thing to do. It really is to, to keep the politicians out of the day-to-day -day runnings. You get paid to do the job. Let the chief do the job. You know, that's the way I've always felt. And then going back <coughs> to what you had mentioned, <coughs> policing uh, Olson Drive and kind of <coughs> the bad old bloody <coughs> days that we've heard about. Uh, what was it about your style of police work, do you think, that made you an effective person to deploy over there? I was, I treated them fairly, everybody. Um, my father, I, people laugh at this, but my father told me when I first got into this job because he knew how I was. <clears throat> he said, you're the kind of guy that's going to run in, take a shot, take a bullet, whatever it is, just so you get yours in. You can't do that. Um, the suspect has, this way he used to tell me, the suspect has three choices. He can get in the cruiser, he can get in the ambulance, he can get in the hearse. His choice, it's your job to help him fulfill that choice. And people laugh at that, but he said, your family expects you to go home exactly the same way you went in. You're not to take a stab, you're not to get take a bullet. It's him or you, it's him. And uh, I always treated him fairly. Uh, if you respected me, I respected you. If you wanted to play, game on. Game on. And in those days, did you have a partner, or were you pretty much, how, how was that set up? Uh, no, you had individual beats, and in okay. Aunt Sonia for years, uh, till the union, uh, which was... You're using uh, air quotes. Yeah, <laughs> a union of uh, idiots, went with this, this ridiculous minimum manpower thing. When, we, when I first got here, we had four walking beats. Four mobile beats and a guy at a desk. There was nine people in Ansonia every night, every shift. So there wasn't really much that the Ansonia Police Department could not handle departmentally in the, in the town. When they went down to the five-man minimum, you know, you're just you're putting the officers at risk. It becomes an officer safety issue. Um, yeah, explain what that is. I mean, I've heard well, those no, terms. Well, what does it mean? It's... When we would send a guy out on a call back when it first got on, the east side car would pick up the B3 guy or something, and the, the hilltop guy would pick up the mall guy, and the west side guy would pick up the Olsen Drive guy. So you never went on a call alone. Now you're getting sent to calls alone. You're expected to handle these calls. Maybe you'll get a backup there in time if they're not tied up. But if you've only got three or four guys on the road, the chances of having a backup become less and less if there's multiple things going on. So if you have, let's just an example, you got a serious accident, you got two or three guys tied up at the accident doing traffic, doing investigation, and then you have a domestic, you're sending one guy. And those are just volatile situations because no matter what side you take, you're completely unpredictable. The other one turns on you. So that's that was the difference between now and, and then. We had enough people to make sure the officers weren't getting hurt. You're finding more injuries and officers being hurt because there's less officers on the street. You and know. is that the fact in Seymour too? Is it no, I've uh, I have fought <laughs> pretty steadily for 30 years to maintain the manpower levels in Seymour. Um, when I got there, it was 25. We now have 41. So I'm a firm believer in making sure the officers are safe and having enough people on the road as much as possible. Do, are there times when there's injuries and sickness and things like that and brings the men, brings it down to the minimum? 
yeah, I don't like it there. I'd rather have the extra couple of guys. But um, it is what it is. You know, you deal with what you get. The cards get dealt out the way they are. And, and then uh, switching back to Ansonia mm-hmm. before we close out, who, who was the chief in Ansonia in those days? When I got hired, it was Ed Turgeon. Um, he was an old, uh, the old school type of guy. Uh, pretty straightforward, you know, no problems. Then, then Schumacher came in for a short period of time. And then after that, uh, Sergeant Bacchanowicz was acting chief until Chief McGrath took over. And then when McGrath took over, I think it was in 80, I'm, I'm ballpark. Okay. Um, from 80 till when I left, the chief was still there. And then uh, shortly after I moved to Seymour, uh, then uh, they made the change around 10 to 12 years later. He was there for a long time. He was, I think he was 74, 75 when he retired. And then you, you had said you were a detective there? Detective? I was a detective sergeant and I went to lieutenant. I was second in command in Ansonia when I left. Were there any uh, major cases that you worked that stand out from your years in Ansonia? I know that's always a tough question to um, sort of gauge because you don't really catalog them like that. But There was a lot of incidents, a lot of heavy-duty uh, weapons and guns that we looked down the barrels of and stuff. But I'd say the most uh, I don't know, rewarding but uh, were some of the sex cases that I did with the kids. Um, I had the Hilltop case, which was like over 100 cases. Oh, okay. which we put one guy away. And then uh, I had another one where a guy uh, was sexually abusing his next-door neighbor's daughter in the house while his wife was there. She didn't even know. And that one meant more to me because very seldom do people around this area say thank you for what you do. And uh, that mother came down and, and personally thanked me and gave me a letter saying, I appreciate what you did for my daughter and my family. And I, It's those cases that meant more to me than than the, the gun cases and stuff, you know. I mean, okay. I, I took four guys out in a car with six guns one night alone. So, I mean, that stuff happens regularly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like an unusual. It was regular. So, Then in terms of people saying thank you, uh, I mean, there's obviously in the mm-hmm. last couple of years on the national level, there's <clears> been <throat> lots written in videos <clears throat> about uh, mm-hmm. alleg- allegations of police abuse and, mm-hmm. and, and, and shootings where mm-hmm. people questioned what happened. Uh, nothing has filtered down to the local level that we're aware of. Mm. But we have seen uh, people in the Valley, I mean, we we see on the Facebook pages, because all the police departments have started to do Facebook pages where they tend to, if the Girl Scouts make cookies and things like that, they'll they'll put that on there. Do you feel there's more community support for law enforcement now in the Valley than there was previously, or or are we just... I think it's more overt. Um, And I say that because I'm noticing that People are dropping off food, pizzas, cookies, baking things. Uh, that never occurred very much back then, but we're seeing a lot more of that now. So it seems like things are starting to turn a little bit, which is which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. Uh, these guys, uh, they're out there every day risking their lives, and uh, they like to hear a word thank you once in a while. You know, it's it's yeah. We know that there's risks, and we know that our lives are on the line on a day to day basis. But the general public just takes that for granted is what the is the belief of police officers. They just take it for granted. Um, and when somebody says thank you, or, or like we just had uh, an individual from the Valley uh, give us $850 for a vest for one of the guys. We've had people donate for the dogs. I mean, matter of fact, that's coming up very shortly. Both dogs were given vests by somebody. Uh, some money was collected, and that's going to be, there's a press release going to be done on that because they just, the vest just came in. So, I mean, those are things that, that mean things. You know what I'm saying? It's, mm-hmm. you know, 
I mean, I had a case up in, it wasn't really a case, but when I worked at Emmett O'Brien, I was given carte blanche to do what I had to do. So if there was narcotics in the school or something like this, they would just say, arrest them. You know, and that, that was a, a very strange situation because here I am teaching, and if there's an incident, they want me to make. So you were a supernumerary at that time and a teacher, you were saying? I was, saying. Okay, I gotcha. was full-time at that time. Gotcha. And, um, and I, I arrested one kid uh, whose father and family was very well-known in town, and I made a comment to him. And the comment was, and I say it to my guys too, show me who you hang with and I'll tell you what you are. And I said it to him, and, and, and I ran into him when one of, my, one of the best cops I ever worked with in this town, in Aunt Summer's history, was John Sweet. Uh, phenomenal man, phenomenal. He just he just couldn't pass a test. I just, but he should have been he should have been up the ladder. And uh, John Sweet's funeral, we're standing there, and he comes over to me, and he's changed. He's got his hair shaved. This is the, the, the same the, kid. The kid, okay. And he goes, I just want to say that comment you meant to, said to me years ago at the school, it resonated. It meant something, and you changed my life. I went, thank you. Yeah. Mm. Hi, this is Eugene Driscoll, most likely interrupting myself to bring you a message from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. Adding a Valley charity to your estate plan creates a lasting legacy that tells future generations what causes mattered to you. Your action will inspire others to follow your lead and make a difference. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley community forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Learn more at valleygivesback.org, an initiative of the Valley Community Foundation. Plan now, give later, impact tomorrow, at valleygivesback.org. You know, that's that's one of those in the plus column. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the plus column. The, the keeping yeah. it on schools a little bit, uh, I mean, <clears throat> one of the big <clears throat> changes has to be, <clears throat> like, law enforcement is <clears throat> now almost to the point where it's integrated with, <clears throat> with the school system. Uh, <clears throat> and I know, not from anything <clears throat> particularly local, but <clears throat> sometimes police departments can have a hard time dealing with schools because the schools, are, the stereotype is they're more... <clears throat> Wow, well, let's we'll handle Li- this internally. We don't liberal. We don't want. Well, I don't know if it's liberal. <laughs> it's liberal. But well, or we're a PR. They don't like bad press. They don't no, like they any don't. type of negative publicity. Well, let, me, let me just put it this way: I coached and taught in Derby when Martin Cromick was there. I coached under Lou DeFlippo. Nothing happened in that school ever. They had total control. There was discipline. There was respect. Those are those are two words that are no longer in the school system, or in or in parental in the in parents. It's all gonna, that's going to make a lot of the listeners in Seymour are going to be like, what? Yeah, well, I'm I'm not a big fan of uh, participation trophies. Never have been, never will be. I, I'm a firm believer: you get in life what you earn. You go get it. You work for it. The reason I'm sitting in this seat is because after I got my college degree, I went on and got my master's degree in forensic science. So. I didn't just sit back and expect stuff to come to me. I went out and earned it. So when it comes to sports, my father said to me many times, make the team, I'll come to the game. <laughs> you don't make the team, I'm not coming to watch you sit on the bench. And he, he, was, he coached, I coached, and uh, I always put the nine best players on the field. This happiness of putting kids out there just to make them feel good about themselves 
No, this whole world is built on winners and losers. You have to work hard to get ahead. It shouldn't be just handed to you. Did so you? if there's that participation <laughs> trophy syndrome yeah. out oh, there. Oh, that's nuts. That's but now these kids, are I, I would assume they're reaching hmm. the age where now they're becoming police officers. How do you right. then, are the young officers terrible or are they? No, we've, we've been, and knock on wood, we've been very fortunate. Um, we have a phenomenal, uh, Charlie Sherwood from South Central runs one of the most honest, uh, integrity-based systems for vetting out people. What's South Central? I'm That's sorry. the South Central Criminal Justice is okay. an agency that performs all of our testing. Gotcha. So he does the writtens, he takes care of the orals, he takes care of the physical agilities. So you you want to become an officer, you go take these tests through South Central. We only get the people that passed. So the moron, I call them morons, the people that don't study, they just want these things handed to them, they don't make that list. So now I get a list of, out of 700 people that take this test, I get a list of maybe 150 are interested in going to see more because you have to pick the towns you want to go to. Then we go through that and we do a, we have them in for interviews. During the interview process, we ask questions. We get a feel for whether they'll fit into the community or not. Uh, white, black, green, purple, doesn't make female, it doesn't bother. If you fit, I want you here. If you don't fit, I don't want you here. So we end up doing that. Then we do our backgrounds. I I do not accept people who use drugs. I don't accept people with bad driving records. I don't accept people with arrest records. It's just not going to happen. Even so marijuana, which has become in the last couple of years I don't even want more culturally accepted. I don't accepted. want to hear it. You want to legalize marijuana. Now they want to legalize gambling. What's next? You're going to legalize prostitution? I mean, anything that brings money in for the government. That's what you want to do? Give me a break. So, no, I'm not a drug guy. By any stretch of the imagination. Never did it, never wanted to, don't care, and I don't want it in my department, and it won't be there. So, that being said, you vet them out that way. Then you do your background, then you do your psych, then you do your lie detector, whole nine yards, then you pick. Now, the last three that we just received, well, the last seven or eight have all been college degrees, top of the classes, doing a great job. We have three in the academy that are going to graduate in June. One is second in the class with a 98.7 average for the, for the year. 98.7. What you do? Spell her name wrong? You know? <laughs> I mean, I got three of them all in the 90s. That's the quality of the people that we're hiring in Seattle. So, so do, you, do you tend to, like, bring in officers and sort of develop them yourself? Like, do you ever hire from other towns? We, have, any kind of we strategy? have hired a couple. We met out. We took two from Wallingford. Um, last uh, last year, and they've both been home runs, um, basically because, A, they were both from Seymour. That was my other question. Is that a good or bad thing? If well, no, there, there, there's a mixture on it. Obviously, I'm going to be one that says it's best to go out. <laughs> I'm not yeah. from here. But, but it um, creates challenges. If No, it, there's, there's, there's multiple challenges, but yeah. we do have several uh, who were born and raised in Seymour, and uh, they've been they've been good. But we have we have them from Bridgeport to to Wallingford to Enfield. We, we've got them all over the place. Um, I'm not interested in where you're from. I'm interested in you and uh, what you're going to bring to the to bring to the table. Uh, we've got two females and a male right now in the in the school, and they're, they're coming out in June, and they'll be hiring three or four more after that. 
And is there any point, and this is just totally off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. when you, you bring a new police officer in and they go through the training, they take mm-hmm. the test, they mm-hmm. pass everything in flying mm-hmm. colors, is mm-hmm. there any point, like, when have they made it in your eyes when they're on the job, like, in the town of Seymour? Is there any, like, it, it in takes, your mind? I, it takes, uh, well, for the people that are born and raised there, it's much easier because they know the people. Okay. It's much easier. For someone who doesn't know the area, doesn't know the people, it takes a little while. But I think that by the time you've got three or four years on, uh, you're pretty well versed in the job. But and it you, takes that long, huh? Oh, it's, God, yeah. It, it, wow, you, okay. you, you hit, um, you'll hit a myriad of, of challenges for the list um, between the homicides and the rapes and the, and the fatalities and all that. You, you, gotta, you have to get exposed to everything. Now, fortunately, in Seymour, and I say this honestly, we haven't had the homicides. We haven't had them. Uh, I think there's been one, you know, in 30 years, something like that. So we've been very fortunate. When I was down in Ansonia, this that was a, mm-hmm. like uh, one a year, two a year. So then, then for a while, there was more. So I was exposed to many more things down here. This was a phenomenal training ground for anybody who wanted to go with police work and go to another area. Now, I grabbed an officer from New Haven who had supposedly all this experience and ended up, hadn't done anything. In 25 years, all they did was stand on the corner to traffic. It was it. They never did You could anything. hide out. And, okay. Yeah. And, and I guess you can't was, do that in Seymour. You're gonna know, you'll know no, right no, away. If, if, when you have a small, small town, okay. no, in a small town, and this is, the, this is the difference between the larger towns and the small towns, a small town officer does everything. They do the fingerprinting, do the processing, they do the evidence, they do they do everything. In these larger towns, you make the arrest, you hand it over to him, he does the booking. Hmm. He goes over the next one, he does the evidence. No, 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 you do it all. From search warrants to arrest warrants, everything. In these other towns, some of them it's just, oh, hand it over to DB, he'll do it. No, 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 no. So our offices, when, when you get an officer from Seymour, um, after four or five years, They've more than likely done search warrants, arrest warrants, everything. So that's what I had. That's the advantage I had in Ansonia because <clears throat> when I first got on, it was, oh, just let him do it. I don't want to do it. The old timers, just let him do it. Give it to him. Give it to him. The old timers would say that to you? Or oh, they, yeah. They, no, they, sorry, oh, gotcha. sorry. Give it to him. Give it to him. <laughs> There's a shooting. Give it to him. You know. So I was exposed to things that, I'll give you an example. We had a homicide. And... The detective period didn't want to come out. And the sergeant gave it to me. Did, the detective, did they give a reason? And I was or? only on a year or two okay. at the time. I called my father in Rhode Island and said, I'm working on homicide. He said, well, what do you mean you're working on homicide? I'm, I'm doing homicide. He goes, well, what do you mean you're working out? You're doing a traffic in front of one? No. You're at the front desk writing the names down at the front of the door? No. I'm running it. He goes, what do they got up there? I said, I said, that I, you got you got to tell me what I got to do. So he explained the Mincy warrant, the whole nine yards, and he walked me through it. So I was able to do that. Hey, father, you're on your phone with your father. Uh, my father, and so he was like a police officer from what, like the fifties to the fifties to the seventies. Okay, 80s. gotcha. So oh I mean, wow. Okay, yeah, he so was up to eighty five. He left. In Holy that, cow. Yeah. Okay. So I he went at fifty five and left in eighty five. So thirty years, and then then he went over to the Navy base. But he was uh, he was very well versed in this stuff. So when I asked him how to do this stuff. And he walked me through it. I was able to get through it. They weren't going to show you anything here. Hmm. It's just the way they were. It was the mentality of was, why should I teach the young kid? Let him learn on his own. 
and it was kind of like that way. Other than John Sweet, John Sweet would do anything in the world for you. So <clears throat> that was a, a very a waking up for me but to, to, to learn. But but the exposure, being able to to handle a, a kidnapping, a robbery, a rape, a murder, burglaries, at only being on four or five years, um, and having the experience I had over that period of time, I couldn't get that exposure if I was in a larger town. I wouldn't have seen that stuff for 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. So see, Aunt Sonia gave every officer here an opportunity to learn. And, and is it still sort of the case in all in the Valley well, towns? Well, Aunt Sonia, there... Aunt Sonia in, in, in particular had so many issues that you were forced to be doing these cases because manpower-wise, with all the crime they had down here and all the issues they had, um, it was always a, f a full fledged. You kept, it never stopped. Hmm. It never stopped. I mean, Chief McGrath's in the bureau. Chief McGrath would come down every Saturday, every Monday morning, and dump twenty five cases on my desk. This is for the bureau. Hmm. Yeah, yes, sir. So I would take a look at them, hand them out to the different guys, and say, "Do this one, do that one, do this one, do that one." I mean, one of the smartest guys that I had in Ansonia, and you probably know him, was Bull Griffin. I've just heard the name, but yeah, Paul and. Uh, very, very articulate, very smart. I would give him seven or eight cases on a Monday, and I'd have seven or eight warrants on my desk on Wednesday. And McGrath couldn't understand that. But Bull was all business, hmm. smart as a whip, knew exactly how to do it. And his warrants were like five lines, the whole warrant. <laughs> Not these books. These no, we like the books, Chief. Nah, Stop. The, book, the books are too much. But let me ask you, that, that raises an interesting question. <laughs> And then I want to get back to a school thing. Uh, uh, in terms, who are the police officers? And maybe you can't answer this, but you're on your way. Yeah, what do you care? I don't know. You don't understand. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> Never who are, did. Like, who are the police officers you respect working in the Valley right now? Who are some of the, the detectives that are known for doing good work? Oh, I don't know the detectives that well now. They're in the, in the, in the other departments. Yeah, I'm not that well versed in them. I'm I'm... Hearing a lot of positive things about what's going on in Ansonia right now, uh, I think was it Lynch and them are running it. Um, I don't know who the Lieutenant Lynch. Yeah, he's yeah, like I, a, uh, he's done a good job down there. Um, my guys are doing okay. They're doing a good job. Uh, I haven't heard anything about the others, to be honest with you. I really don't know. Because um, as chief, you're you're doing your yeah. Your I'm, I'm, thing, I'm, so. I'm my focus right now is and has been for the last year has been the transition for the new chief and teaching him the ropes, to say the least, because there's a lot more to this job than numbers. And uh, he's got to learn how to deal with people and how to deal with the union and how to have control and not let the union run the police department, but the police department run the union. You know, it's... Because it's, it's a, it's a, there's it's, always that interplay at yeah, work. Yeah, you, you, you have to be in control because if you lose it, you're done. And uh, I just would never give that up. And then I just wanted to ask you, I'd asked earlier, but I'll... Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. when you, do you have a good working relationship with the school, uh, do, do you think? I, I, I believe that the school system right now with uh, Mike Wilson, uh, they're, they're doing a phenomenal job. Um, we, we're trying to do what we can. Um, I can't go into the details of the, of the, of security, the, the security and all that, issues, but, yeah, yeah. but um, we're trying to find a way right now. And the first selectman is, I believe, his budget just went through. And I believe he put money in there for an extra officer, so we'll be going to 42. I uh, know, wait a minute. Chief Sakowski will be going to number 42. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, 
they'll be putting offices in every school. Um, so we're trying to do it. We're trying to do what we can. Um, I don't want to call them SROs, but that's probably the safest term. Mm -hmm. um, and that's got to be a big change, just the fact that uh, now all of a sudden we have to have well, for years, No, for years and years, the schools didn't want police officers. They didn't want them yeah. in the schools. Didn't want them in the schools. Um, I, I was not a big advocate of D.A.R.E. Um, I thought D.A.R.E. was too commercialized. They were, and, you know, you wanted a pen. It was going to cost you so much money for a, per pen for a student. I was just... It was kind it of a money-making like, yeah, yeah, it yeah, looked yeah. like it was just a money-maker grabber. So we changed our... We did our own drug program. And uh, I think uh, when Joe DeNegro started that way back when, when he was a youth officer, and then that resonated down into uh, Steve Dittria, and then it went down to Tata Magda. Now we don't have a quote youth officer we have detectives working the cases along with the resource officers so what Paul will do and I'll say Paul because it's his call now um, I'm trying to let him make all the calls and just get used to that so that you know the responsibilities on his back coming up and I, I want him to make the calls I mean I can make them I don't have a problem making calls uh, I'll pull a trigger in a heartbeat but I want him to do it I want him to get the feel to get to, he's got to build his own persona so um, I think that the school system in general will be better served by the way they're going to do this. Um, and I think the more open, and I hate to use this word, it's so phony, transparency. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't like circles. I just come right across the table and say the way it is. Um, I think the openness between them and the fact that now they are reporting more crimes in the school than they ever did. That's I what think, I was in, yeah, that's what that's I was trying what to get no, to. That's before. where they're going. That's okay, where they're going. That's... And I think that's a positive thing. I think it's for the safety of the kids uh, in general, all of them, uh, being more honest and being upfront with it. I think that uh, do we want to be up there every day doing their discipline? No, but we will go up there in a heartbeat for crimes, for actual crimes and stuff. So that that I think is being more. Uh, more responsive on the school side, and so I'm, I'm. I was pleased watching that develop over the last couple of years. A lot of that had to do with the people. Rich Kearns was up there with the security part of it. Uh, his relationship with our SROs and our officers was always positive. So I think that that's where it's headed. I think that we're going to get there eventually. And then how long have you been chief in Seymour? Thirty years. So well, okay. So when you look back over <laughs> these thirty years, yeah. Uh, what are you most proud of? What when you when you look back? What what do you, what do you hang your hat on? All right, here, here, here we go. Don't start. Don't I, get emotional. No, don't tear no, up. no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. My, no, I understand. My my uh, I had some. I went to a, a how would you put it? A training thing, a training opportunity in uh, Roger Williams, where we'd send people up there. And out there, they asked an officer, the chief. I'm not going to mention who it was. What his legacy was. And I just looked at Sarkowski, and I just looked at him, and I said, this ought to be precious, this one. And the guy made the, the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. I just want to be known as a chief that people loved. No. No, that's not a legacy. That's a joke. Legacy is, if you can walk out of, if you, when you walk into a business, whether it be a police or is, and at the end of your term, you can walk out, and it's in a better place than you found it, that's your legacy. So I don't have a problem walking out. Uh, I find it that I've raised the bar pretty high in Seymour over the years I've been there. 
um, and I can only hope that Paul will raise it higher. You know, that's that. I hope I've done enough to teach him to know how to do it at the next level, and I think I've done that. So and I've then, done. in terms of, of, of this transition mm-hmm. and, and the the uh, the process to pick the next chief, did you have input on there? Did you oh, recommend? Yeah. Uh, oh no, that Deputy was, Chief it, it, Sikowski, that, or? Oh, I absolutely would stand behind him. I I groomed him. I sent him to the FBI Academy for that purpose. Um, <clears throat> I think that Paul's heart is in the town 100%. I think it's in 100% into the police department. Um, they did the process. They went outside. They got outside chiefs to do the interview process. When the interview process was done, um, Paul made it into the top four. Um, and that's really what he needed to do. If he's in the top four and everything is equal, then go with the inside guy. It goes to him yeah, go by to the, far. No, 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 no. Go to the inside guy. Yeah. Go to the guy from town. If if one guy was so far out better, so, I mean, here everybody else and here's this guy, then they would have been remiss not to take that guy. But if everybody's pretty much in the same boat equally, then take the guy from inside. You know, and it, it's good for the department because now you'll have growth underneath. Don't forget now, for 30 years, okay. for 30 years yeah, there's you've been, been no growth. And that's, okay. <laughs> and one could argue some of the things that popped up over the years, maybe some of the guy wanted your job. I mean, oh, I they always got, they always okay. want. I, and I'll be the first to say it. I know that everybody below you says, it's time for that dinosaur to go. I can do better. Oh, yeah, I'm better than him and everything else. <laughs> you know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> that's all I can tell you. Be careful what you wish I, uh, when I got the job, um, it's like Edwin Ansoni when I became lieutenant. I was fighting like crazy to get up there. There was a lot of anim- uh, animus from the Democrats in town. I've always had problems with Democrats for some reason, maybe because they're liberal and I'm not. And they finally got me upstairs. And Let's I talk sat, about Jim Comey. And I'm I sorry. sat right, yeah, right. Go ahead. And I sat behind that desk and I went, oh, my God, what do I do now? Because no one shows you how to do the next job. No one. And the same thing happened when I got into Seymour and I moved over to the chief's job. And I sat at that desk that first day and went, oh, my God. There ain't nobody I can point to now. It's me. So it's a wake-up call. And no longer can you pass the buck and blame it on the guy below or above. It's you. The buck stops at your desk. You're responsible for what transpires. How you interact with your men and how you hold them accountable is you now. It's not, oh, the chief made me do it. Oh, the chief did this. Oh, the chief's decision. Yeah, it is the chief's decision. But now you're the chief. <laughs> now it's your decision. So he's got a he's got a he's got a tough road to float. He's got a tough road to go because it's it's a it's a, it's a it's a tough job. Um, you got to be thick skinned. You got to be able to take a lot of happiness. Uh, like I said, twelve years no raises. A lot of negative stuff, lies, a lot of lies and stuff said. And I just smiled and said, you pay me now, you pay me later, but you're going to pay me. You know, that's the way I felt about it. And I'm not going to change my way for a raise. And I'm not going to change what I have to do to fill your need. I have a job to do. I'm going to do that job. And you can keep banging away on me all day, but uh, it's bring your it. title or Bring you, it. Yeah. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> what about, I had one last question. <laughs> it's at 36 minutes and you yeah. got to go. Yeah. Uh, and maybe I'm, I'll just I'm cut in this. no rush. I don't care. But well, you're gonna, yeah. I don't want you to be late for your. Oh, I won't be. It's, it's only five seconds away. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, 
But in terms of one thing that I've noticed, and maybe I could be completely wrong here, yep. but uh, police officers getting involved in, in, in sort of speaking their politics, whether they're liberal or conservative or, or whatever there is. Like you had just mentioned, you're, you, I assume you lean conservative. but yeah, all, is that, I do don't lean there. I'm all the way wrong. over there. <laughs> is it a good thing, though? Because obviously, uh, uh, hmm. you know, I would be, I mean, I'm independent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll say, hey, I don't support, I'm not and, a big fan of, of and, Donald Trump. And so am I. Like, is there... I became an independent the moment I took the job in Ansel. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which is a because smart move. Because my philosophy was I have to arrest Democrats and I have to That's arrest Republicans. Gonna, yeah. I'm not in bed with either one. I'll help you. I'll do what I need to help you. But I'm not going to compromise my position for either one of you. And that's just the way I stood. Um, John O'Toole, he was a pain. He was uh, Seymour first time? Seymour first time okay. But he made a comment to the union president at the time and told him, stick with police work because you absolutely, pardon my French, suck at politics. Police officers have no clue how to play politics. And they shouldn't be doing politics. They should stay out of it. But they end up playing it because they think it's their own benefit. They don't understand that the politicians use them. They use them every day. And they don't care about them. They really don't. And stay out of it. Stay out of politics. The only one that should be dealing with the politics is the chief. He's the conduit between them and the police department. And when the people below you get involved in that stuff, you know, I've told first selectmen, keep playing, I'll subpoena you the case. It's as simple as that. I won't put up with it. And if now, I can't tell you that the next guy's going to do that because he has to sign a three-year contract and his whole career is in the balance of people who control it. And that was the problem with having a contract. Interesting. So when did you get a contract? Did you finally get one? Was that just I a year ago? I signed one that when it was time to leave. So you went all, you had 30 or 27 20 years, 28 years? Year, 28, year, 28 and a half years without one. With no you know, contract. I, I signed one was because I was solidifying um, what I was going to get when I left. The retirement benefits. Otherwise, I'd still be working without a contract and not caring. That's interesting. And there mm. and there was never a move to just oh, they changed the get rid of you? Oh, already? they tried all if sorts somebody, of Oh, they tried stuff. They made up stories. They lied. They did it. There was a group in Seymour that was just, just as bad as the group. It was, and it was Democrats, too, in Ansonia, same group, uh, who attacked me on a regular basis and tried to do this. And they, they had a contract once that was so vile. And they said if I didn't sign it by 12 o'clock on Friday, they were going to fire me. So I said, fire me. If you think you can do it, fire me. I don't care. You'll be paying me for the rest of my life. It doesn't bother me. Now, how do you, as there you have a wife and a daughter, mm-hmm. how do you deal with sort of that type of pressure? Because that's the type of pressure, you don't, you know, everyone knows police officers, mm-hmm. or I hope they know, you put their lives on the line every right. day. But then there's that internal pressure, especially when you're in a management position, mm-hmm. of all the stuff we've been talking about. Not yeah. that the whole co- yeah. your whole career was mm-hmm. negative, but there no, is that. No, no, how, no. how do you no. keep that from infecting your, I, your personal life? I tried not to ever bring the job home. Ever. Didn't talk about it at home. She read about it in the paper, the, the comments. And that's going to hurt she, her. And she'd get upset. But 
and she she would she would just tell me calm down just calm down because she knows that this is the teddy bear at home that you don't want to let loose at night because <laughs> there's two different animals in this body and uh, she, she knows what I was capable of doing when I was irritated and I she was she was a very how'd you put it calming influence in my career I never brought it home much I brought I think I think the only time I really brought it home uh, brought the job home uh, I was in Ansonia and I was doing that hilltop case and it was so much sexual stuff going on with these kids, the poor little kids, that when I got home, because my daughter was in a daycare situation, I stripped her and went over her like a fine tooth comb. Because I was concerned that there's something it's happening to her. Yeah. And my wife went ballistic, went ballistic on me. And I went, what's that? She goes, you brought the job home. You told me you wouldn't. And I turned and I just like this. Oh my God, I did. I did, and I just said, I, I, I'm sorry, I, you know, I backed off, but I was checking my daughter, I was mm -hmm. making sure. Uh, we had an incident uh, years later when the supernumerary ball was going on, and uh, there was a bunch of us sitting at the table with our wives and stuff, and one wife starts talking about all the cases that her husband's doing. And she looks at my wife and goes, whoa, didn't, didn't he tell you about that? No. He doesn't tell you about that? And knowing me, you know how I am, I'm just straight across the table. I said, it's none of her business. It's police work. It stays at the station. It's none of, I don't need to hear of her because I don't want people saying, Mike Metzler's wife said this. Yeah, it gets, yeah, 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 said, yeah. My wife doesn't talk about anything. And they were like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? Other things. <laughs> you know. And so now you're retiring at the end of next month. Right. Or 18 days, I think it was 18 working days. 18 working days. So what? what's next for soon-to-be oh, former Chief I'm done. Metzler? I'm done. Um, I've had several offers that, you know, were, were reasonable, you know, but I'm not interested in working. Law enforcement? Law enforcement, okay. teaching, okay. Uh, different things. And I just said no. I, I, I you know, I don't want to become a... Professor at you know NH. I don't want to go to you on Roger Way. I no done. I did forty two years of this. Um, that's a long haul. I've had a, a decent run. I can't complain. Uh, I, I give credit for, and I say this honestly, Kurt Miller for addressing what was done to me over the career when I was in in Seymour by the people who were trying to hurt me personally. Um, he took care of that. Uh, <clears throat> he made, uh, how would you put it, um, concessions to address the shortages that I took over the long haul. Um, and he did it uh, very nicely. And I, I, I thank him for that person. So he was fair to you? He was more than fair. Um, and I was more than fair to him, as he tells people. He said I, the chief left a lot of money on the table. And it was never about money. It's never been about money. I do the job because I like the job. Are you going to stay in the valley? Or are you gonna oh, move I'm, not, to, I'm not moving. You're anywhere. not moving? No, okay. No, 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 no. My my daughter wants me to move. That's what I was Yeah, yeah no, she I wants to go to Rhode Island. And do you have grandkids? My, my, I got two grandchildren. Okay. Uh, but my mother-in-law is 94. She just turned 94 the other day. Oh, wow. She lives in Derby. My wife's sister is a doctor. She lives in Derby. My brother-in-law is a lawyer. He, they're in Derby. 
and all of my wife's friends. She was the valedictorian at Derby High School in 1969. Oh, okay. So that's right. So she's a local girl. It's been here her whole life. Um, I don't think it's fair to her to pull her roots out to go back to Rhode Island for what? For what? Um, She's comfortable here. I'm comfortable here. I'm enjoying myself. So I'll just, uh, I have two goals. Float in the pool in the summer, sit in a chair with a changer in the winter. Those are attainable goals. I think I can make them. <laughs> yeah. All right. With that, Chief Metzler, thanks so much for uh, coming on this podcast. I not, do appreciate it. Not your a time. problem. Not a problem.
still have a fan's wish.